electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. Final day of January. S&P enjoying its best January in about four years as the earnings from industrial giants roll in. Q4 employment costs soften a bit. That did turn futures green as the Fed meeting begins today. Our roadmap begins with corporate earnings in a gauge of the economy. McDonald's, UPS, CAT, GM, Pfizer among the names crossing the tape. We'll break down the numbers. Plus, Exxon is smashing records, notching a $56 billion profit for 2022. CEO Darren Woods pushing back against White House criticism, saying it needs to get its facts straight. And the S&P is headed for its best month, as you just heard from Carl, since 2019. Futures of this morning, let's call it a bit muted. This is investors await, of course, what we're going to hear from the Fed. Let's get to the earnings parade. Jim, I heard you talking UPS with Andrew. Is that the most important name at the moment? Well, I think it shows you the difficulty of figuring out on a day when we have so many earnings about what the right direction is. So UPS reports, there's a a computer-generated line, basically, which says that the uh, revenues were light. And then you read the release and you realize, you know what, they're doing better than we thought, and that that revenue line is is, is not dispositive. And then the stock goes from being down two to three to being up five. Uh, and that's really the tale of this particular tape as people reevaluate and realize Carol Tomei is doing a pretty good job. And that's going to be the whole thing. I mean, GM reports and it's instantly good. But then we may hear the comments call. I don't know. I've got Mary Barra. I just urge people to recognize that because things are so uh, jumbled today, David, you could be incredibly wrong uh, and, and wrong, by the way, on a negative side. UPS was good, even though you looked at the lines. Right. There were lines that you didn't like, but the sum total in totality, UPS was good. Was was better than expected, better than expected. which is important. That's, and that's one reason. They also did raise the dividend. You know, importantly, I think, how did it compare to FedEx? Because, of course, the market does take note of FedEx and then has attributed some of the faults there, assuming UPS would find similar fate, but that hasn't really been the case. No, that's a good point. Uh, FedEx did have a bad quarter. There are GM. GM has labor negotiations this year. It could be difficult. But I think the important thing is... UPS has labor. UPS, yeah. Yeah. I think, though, what's important is that when you look at some of these companies, whether it be GM, whether UPS, you do feel that they have costs in uh, we had that employment cost deceleration today. Now, I still don't think it matters that much, Carl, because it's still above from where it was. But these are companies that you make a snap judgment on, and the snap judgment could be wrong. Uh, I know that I have Prologis on this, and they're the largest warehouse company for e-com. And they said, look, e- e-commerce was at 16% of the total of retail uh, before the pandemic. It went to 24% in the height of the pandemic. It's now down to 22%. Uh, UPS doing pretty well, given the fact that 22 percent is uh, is e-com. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I found that 
that people were, as David said, worried about a complete horror show. They didn't get a complete horror show, and the stock went higher. Mm. And maybe in a less buoyant market, it would just do nothing. How are we thinking of then, I mean, assuming that's true, about Caterpillar with their first miss in 11 quarters? I'm saying it's not a miss. It's just not a miss. I think that when you have to add back a number of things, and you do have, of course, an unfortunate huge dollar issue, but uh, I found there were a lot of things to like about Caterpillar, and that if you go back and look at line by line, you'll see that uh, if you add back this one-time charge, cat sales were up 20%. 2023, they predict it's going to be better than 2022. 31-cent beat, revenue's up 17%. Fourth quarter up 20%. I think it's a great quarter being treated badly, uh, and it will reverse. Revenue was ahead. Yep, it will reverse. The stock being down seven. The instant it came out, uh, I was in shock that someone could figure it out so quickly. We own Caterpillar for my travel trust. I was going to actually sit down and do the work, and then I realized, David, what the hell am I doing the work for? <laughs> the machines have done the work for me. It's down seven. But then I actually did some work, speak to the company, do some more work, and realized, you know, it was a really good quarter. And then next thing you know, it's down a dollar. So am I a magician? No. There's stupid people at work. No, not even people. Chat GPT, one of my friends asked for a, what should he serve for dinner? Russian. Give him a Russian man. Russian menu. Yeah, Russian menu. Well, I think that's um, more accurate than what happened with Cat. Yeah, the algorithms, to your point, uh, do move quickly and make decisions based on, based on numbers. I have no idea. All I can tell you is, is that if you actually have people at Cat and they do things and they make stuff, and it's more important than the stupid machines. This was a good quarter. You have to X out the farm. There's some other issues involved that will come out in the conference call that will make the story seem better. And then people will say, why did I sell Caterpillar? Well, not many. We should always make the point that while you do see these trades, it's not on a lot of volume. No, but they're color aftermarket. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, they they're good. It was a 31 cent beat versus fact set. 20 from here's a new thing. Mm-hmm. You have to do 31 percent beat versus fact set. 25, 25 cent beat versus refinitive. So now you got to beat not one, but not but two. Yep. Have a favor. What is favor? What's the what was favor? I didn't come in with an estimate on Caterpillar. You didn't think their top yeah. line is better than I haven't favor? expanded my universe of coverage yet to include well, I mean, them. at a certain point, this is called one giant joke. But right now, it's much better than, than fact set and, all, and better than Refinitiv. So there you go. That's everything we need to know about the greatest American machinery company. Uh, there's a ton on GM, uh, a, beat, a double beat, uh, guiding strong on adjusted EPS, not going to match the Tesla price cuts, not planning any layoffs, and yeah. the outlook includes about two billion in cost savings, even without the layoffs. Well, Adam Jonas, he's sat Chat GPT. He came out with a like a nine-page opinion on it. He's like the Supreme Court, but he does point out that a very strong guide. Uh, I look, I make jokes at Jonas, but he does some pretty interesting work here. Midpoint free cash flow implies a thirteen percent free cash flow yield. Dave, you always love stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Committed to EV and AV. It's amazing they can do both. Double revenues by twenty thirty. I have Mary Mary Barr on and. This this was as good as it gets. But, you, uh, you know, others would characterize it as they've made a bet on EV. I mean, they bet the company on EV over the next seven well, to EV ten and, years. Well, EV and also um, AV. That's being the big thing, AV. They're running all over the place in San Francisco. Right. So there's plenty of fortune on these. Automated vehicles. Right now right. it looks it's positive right now. On, 
think smart or not to not try to match the Tesla, the Tesla price cuts. Ford, of course, did well, come down in price on certain models. Tesla, as we thank know. Thank you for on certain models, not on everything and right. not on the F-150. Uh, understood. But Musk said during the call that, you know, they're starting to see increased demand as a result of those price cuts. Yes. They are by far the market share leader. They said they could raise it again. Uh, and GM chooses not to compete. And same with VW today. Well, you know, I think that, you know, I, I think Farley Ford, he's not making any cars that they'll lose money on. He's not going to cede this area back to he, He's trying to take share from us. He, doesn't, he wants to beat his own numbers. He's going for personal best as opposed to uh, personal against Musk. And I think he's doing a good job. But, but at are, the same time, the stock doesn't say so. No. These are important times. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you can't, the loyalty of a customer in a, for a car, for a model, can last for decades. Well, the F-150, and they have And you get somebody into orders. your universe, not to mention it's your like ecosystem. The Apple. Yeah, it's yeah. Like Apple. Yeah. Right? Look, the F-150 has tremendous pull right through. There's been no, there's no sign that their order book has diminished. They have an order book the way Tesla's an order book. That Maki is, you know, that's going to be an issue, and that's why Jim reacted immediately. Jim Farley acted immediately. So I don't know. I mean, they're not making anything they're losing money on, but the stock, look, the market doesn't like Ford, Carl. I think that Ford is a pitiful, helpless giant. Uh, well, we've long said, by some measures, the F 150 is worth more in enterprise value than the. Oh, my company. God, yes. David, the Super Duty, the F 350, mm. and retire ours. Excuse me, you had, had a what? Retire oh, you had to retire yeah, your... Been, Why is that, Jim? 2008, rusted out. Oh. My friend Michael Haley, the one I bought it for, for our inn, no. It's done. It's done. Is it's that done. sad for you? No, no. We got okay. it used. You sound, you sound somewhat well, somber about the whole idea of you hate to see retiring a, a, out a the, super duty. the 14-year-old car. Well, the Super truck, Duty rusted out. I mean, I didn't expect that. David... Like he knows the difference between a super duty and something that babies, you know. I, 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 yeah, it's true. I mean, he knows. I can tell you all about subway cars, though. Well, there you yeah. go. Let's go uh, yeah. there. I like the Canadian ones better than the, <laughs> well. Yeah, you know, when you do an Edwards double downgrade, people aren't getting the getting a new uh, heart procedure as much How as about they used to. McDonald's, uh, I double, loved double it. beat comps up twelve six. Streets looking for eight, and the stock was down. I mean, this is a good example. Okay, so McDonald's, and you talk to them, and they're obviously, you have to admit, Carl, they're like about as professional as you ever get. I mean, they're not Belichick. They're more Andy Reid because they're not gruff and angry. Uh, And it was a really good quarter, and the market immediately sends it down, and I don't know what people are looking for. What were they looking for? Wow, there was a comment about cost pressures. True. the uh, digital 35% of sales in their top six markets. U.S. comps up 10-3. Thank you, McRib. Uh, Interesting note this morning. They have added, since COVID, $20 billion in system sales. That's with closing 800 Russian restaurants. How can you not love that? I think people don't understand Russia was a big part. Uh, The stock's down five. I venture to say, let's listen to the conference call, but maybe that's an overreaction because... The actual numbers to me seem quite good. You have to factor in Russia. You know, Russia is such a wild card. All over the place. Like last night, Whirlpool reported. And there was no conference call. And people are taking it up five. And like, they don't even know what's happening. In Syncorator, they bought from Emerson. They sold uh, a, a large piece of the European business to Arcelik from Turkey. And the stock's up three. 
And yep. now it's flat. I mean, this McDonald's down five, that may be an opportunity, but if we hear them, but people don't want to what they don't want to, they just want to trade. Uh, you, sp- you talk about Russia. It's also, it also figured in tax on mobile's earnings. Uh, yes. Obviously, the closure of Sockland, which we've talked about, and the uh, reducing or removing that uh, supply. You know, the company still says, hey, we still were up in terms of uh, production. Upstream earnings for 2022. This is just upstream, those earnings, $36.5 billion. Permian, of course, where I spent time uh, when we did our, our documentary, right. ExxonMobil at the Crossroads. 560,000 or more barrels uh, a day. Uh, Guyana, where I also spent time, 360,000 or more barrels a day. And they're starting up Mozambique. Um, You didn't spend time there. I did not go to Mozambique. There I am, though, on that platform out there in uh, Which one are you? The tall guy or the short guy? No, I'm I'm always usually the shorter guy. But uh, on the right there. Uh, with my really funny helmet, and there we are. In the- no, you have to. Safety's first, David. Safety Safe- always first. By the way, safety never cafeteria takes a vacation. Guyana. But Guyana, I mean, they could get up to, you know, uh, you get up to a million barrels a day. Okay, but did you point. hear what Darren Woods said? Uh, I did. I he heard a lot of what the, Darren Woods said, and obviously I've spoken with Darren Woods a lot. He said the president was ill-advised. Uh, actually, we should take a listen. He said, because, you know, he said he was it, it, the White House fired back against Chevron uh, recently, criticizing their buybacks and dividends. Meanwhile, you got a company made $56 billion this year. You might imagine. Turned off. But can we have but that quote, quote we, where he says that the what, president doesn't know what he's doing? We're, yes, we're going to listen to uh, Darren Woods fire back against the White House. Take a listen. The White House needs to get his facts straight. If you look at what we've been doing, we've invested more than any of our other peers. And as I, as I said earlier, uh, when, when times were toughest, we were out there investing, investing at a level uh, that exceeded anybody else in our industry. And so uh, we've done the hard work. We've made the investments. We had a keen focus on making sure that we had the production there and products available for society when it was needed. When the call came, we answered it. We had spent that money, taken criticism at the time, and grew our production and are basically providing more products today uh, because of those investments. And so I think we're doing what the White House, in essence, is asking us to do. Of course, low carbon solutions becomes an even more uh, of a focus in this year and years ahead in terms of what they're spending. Benefits from the Inflation Reduction Act, potentially a real tailwind for them. Flaring. Or an engine, in fact, Flaring? towards no, their decisions no to deploy more capital. Excuse me. Flaring, they're good. Yep, methane. Okay, so um, given all that, and you've been to everywhere other than the, the, I haven't the, been everywhere, Mozambique, but I, but I did spend a good amount of time, as you guys but, know. Let me ask yeah. you: Does the president need to get his facts straight? Yes, he does. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they do. They do. I mean. He's president they, of the States. But, and it's politics, right? So, it's what plays. Okay, so they... Are you happy so, now? You heard what you wanted to hear? Yes, because okay. I went... Yes, I was hoping you'd say that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a political winner, I think, is what right. it, the White I House mean, is thinking. They did sure. everything they were supposed to do. It is, and they are it. putting more money into, into production. They are obviously... Listen, you know, there's always criticism that is worth being leveled. There is still questions... Key questions as to this company's ability to navigate the next 10, 15, 20 years as, right. as the main commodity they produce becomes less in demand over time. Right. Um, and what kind of real returns they can get from carbon capture and things of that nature. Those are key questions. 
And I think it is interesting on the other side, they are going to benefit from the IRA. There's no doubt. Absolutely. But I mean, um, I, I, it, particularly say, as sort of the key, one of the key suppliers with deep pockets so that when they go to somebody and say, we will do a project for you, you're not going to worry whether they're going to be there five years from now. But I think people don't like them making immense profits. One of the things incredible is that the whole country's benefited, the whole world from, of course, maybe you think it was global warming, from uh, natural gas prices. Now, when natural gas was at 7.8, all we did was talk about how it's going to break the bank of the American consumer. It's a two and change. It's the worst month yeah. for nat gas in 22 years. It's down 41%. Well, that's a win for Jay Powell. You got a little weather wind. Totally. It's disastrous. By the way, even more important for Europe, of course. You did hear Woods talking yes. about Europe as well. How about Europe that having better energy transition and the questions, uh, you know, a lot of key questions there about some of the decisions that have been made in terms of how they source their energy in Europe. Not really that smart, but they benefited from 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 uh, this How about France warm weather and declining Ukraine prices. Planes. Maybe France is doing a little better. Macron brought up the idea of giving them planes, but they haven't said they're going to. I have to wrap. When have you ever wrapped? I don't know. <laughs> gotta go. Gotta go. Why is today different than any other day, <laughs> I felt Jim? Like rapping. We got a couple months for that. I'm in a rap mood. <laughs> we'll take a look at futures here. Uh, we'll take a closer look at oil on the other side as well as. Uh, Crude gets to 76 and a half, uh, lowest since uh, January 11th. And we'll talk more about this employment cost number we got this morning, what that means for the Fed on this meeting that goes today and tomorrow. Back in a moment. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. All right, eight minutes to go before we get to an opening bell. Let's uh, check in with Jim on a mad dash here. N. XPI. Yeah, no, I, I maybe I'm developing a theme here, and I'm so, sorry if I'm just kind of just throwing it out there as being lunacy. But NXPI reported numbers last night, but no conference call, okay? The numbers look like they put it in a word which says things are still weak. Uh, but auto was terrific, okay? So I'm thinking, wow, if auto's terrific, which is their main thing, how can it be so weak? Well, the answer is it's not that weak. It's just a continuation of some parts that are weak. Auto's very good. So the stock was down nine last night. Okay. Now it's unchanged. Uh, and this is just shows you what I'm saying is, is that if you react with the herd when it's down nine, without even having a conference call, and you read it over and you read the deck, you realize, wow, auto's pretty good, could be getting better, then you shouldn't be a seller. Maybe you should even be a buyer. But the word is, is that a semi-company says things are weaker, even though everyone knows it, and then reports a good number, well, you might want to think that that's contrary to what you expected. This was contrary to what I expected, which was a bad number, and we didn't get it. NXPS is a good company. And so how does it connect into the overall 
view on auto. All right, fantastic. We've been talking about GM. We've been talking about Ford and, and obviously Tesla. Auto sales, it looks like that the, the supply chain problems that were affecting the autos have run their course. That's the theme of this. I kind of got that from Texas Instruments, too. They, but if you are in the Internet of Things, too, uh, so they do a lot of industrial. But if you're in PCs, no, right. hasn't improved. Right. So autos improved because of supply chain getting together. Uh, PCs not improved, but NXPI doesn't do PCs. No, although Internet of Things, you know, we're still waiting, okay. really, for we're a lot waiting. of the applications there. Well, I talked to your good friend, John Stanky, last week about it all coming on 5G. Uh, it's not here yet. You are such a... Um, Chat GPT <laughs> will actually produce no. a lot of Internet of Things. Yes. Remember, that's an NVIDIA-based product. Mm. And they get a little bit every time. Dr. Jensen Wong, Dick, Professor Wong, I call him Da Vinci. He's the guy who came up with it. Now he's got two other guys, the scientists were involved. But that is the gold mine. So if NVIDIA, if you're selling NVIDIA off of high performance computing and gaming, you're selling it ahead of what could be the bonanza of chat GPT. Got it. All right. The opening bell is just a little more than five minutes away. And by the way, don't forget, you can catch us anytime and anywhere by listening to and following the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. You seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. The market in in the space of really six, seven months has gone to corporate profits are going to be up 12% this year. Inflation's coming down to 2%. The Fed may be easing at the end of the year. I mean, that's pretty much nirvana if you're a bull. That's renowned uh, short seller Jim Chanos yesterday on Fast Money, offering his take on the markets. Uh, a lot of that thesis, Jim, he doesn't necessarily believe. Well, I, I don't think most people do. There's a, yes, the yield curve says that that could happen. I, most people that I know who are thinking people are saying that, look, we have bad wage inflation. Uh, Hal has said we're going to have to stay longer, uh, higher, because of, we're actually cheaper because of wage inflation. Now we have commodities coming back up. We have copper coming back up. Lumber's up big. We're getting some positive stories about lumber. And so, look, I think the job's a little bit harder. Yeah, we got some nice, a nice number today uh, about wages. But I, th- I think that the Pangloss scenario is a straw man. I don't know anybody who really feels that way other than people who don't deserve to be in the business. I mean, some argue they can't guide the terminal rate much higher. At least they don't seem to be able to. No. And you look at what mortgage rates are done. Maybe maybe they care about mortgages more than anything. Well, if they do, I mean, you know, one of the things that's happened, like Pulte Home Report, I mean, geez, Pulte's going to open up at a high here. Um, they did a great, you know, great conference call. The revenues were well better than the consensus. We don't know whether um, we don't know whether we want new orders to slot. We don't. We haven't gotten a declaration from Powell about what he really wants from the housing market. But one thing is for certain: if he were to dump all his treasuries, maybe he could change the yield curve. But right now, mortgage rates are better than they were three months ago. So people are buying more homes. It's happening. Pretty remarkable. Uh, home prices, by the way, Kay Schiller now softening for five straight months. Something to keep a close eye on. Of course, shelter is a huge piece of CPI. Let's get the opening bell here in the CNBC Real-Time Exchange of the big board. Argent Financial Group based in Louisiana at the NASDAQ. It is Girl Scouts of Greater 
softer than the street. Yeah, look, I, I think that that's true. I mean, I think Pfizer's a bit of a wild card. That's why I'm glad I have Dr. Borlo on tonight. Because the reason I say it's a bit of a wild card is because look, they've got a huge amount of, amount of money came in. The, the whole rap against Pfizer been that they've got this big patent cliff, as they call it, loss of exclusivity. And I kind of felt that, well, they get all this money and they will solve that. Uh, but they can't, David, they can't solve it overnight. They get all this money and they can't just start buying. They bought the no, tech from they, Biohaven. They did, right. They have made some acquisitions. Yeah. One would expect they will continue to of the similar type that Big Pharma likes to make of, at this point, sort of taking perhaps less risk and paying a bigger premium for smaller companies right. that have something that's close to, if not already through the approval process. Um, but they got a lot more. I mean, the windfall, so to speak, from the vaccine and from Paxlovid is enormous. But next year won't be as good. No. And the PE went from, uh, future PE went from 7 to 10. So overnight you had that situation and where it looked, looked like, cheaper yesterday than today. Like a lot of pharma, it has had a very poor start to the year. Yes. As opposed to, obviously, many of the companies we've been talking about or stocks we've been talking about. Well, Lisa Gill uh, that were bad last year because, obviously, Merck in particular had a great year last year in the stock market. Pfizer less so, but still strong. But, you know, look, I this is another one where I say, are you really just going to, like, can't you wait to hear what Borla has? I mean, maybe they've got some things up their sleeve. They've been fighting this patent clip for ages, and it's about time that people realize that this is a company with a lot of fire, firepower, can do a lot of things. But look, it's a strange market. AbbVie's come down a lot. The pieces about, that we've seen about Umira and how the biologics are coming in, you would think that AbbVie's down even more. It's been, it's, but it's been down a lot. Uh, Pfizer's been down a lot. I'm looking for opportunity for those of us who think the Fed's not done mm-hmm. uh, and that you want to buy a nice blue chip that has a good yield while you wait for the Fed to finish. And I, I know that Chanos is definitely right. I mean, there are people who think they're going to have to cut by the end of the year. But those are not sensible people. There are people who don't listen to anything well, the, the Fed the, says. The average time between the last hike and the first cut is nine months. That would put you somewhere in the back half of the year. Well, I mean, like, you know, that's like saying... You know, the Eagles, after they've won the Super Bowl, are going to come back hard. They'll be in the playoffs, <laughs> but they may get knocked out in the wild card. I mean, what the, who thinks these stupid things? David, who makes this? You can't make this up. That people actually think they can predict like that? They do. Yeah. Well, they do. Yeah. Do you think they have their facts straight? I don't know. Oh, good. You went back to his more mercurial, oh, arbitrary. Yes, yes I wasn't going to give you a yes-no answer there. I'm wondering if the president, well, um, he clearly doesn't watch. He's not watching. No. no, no. He's not watching TV. It's like previous presidents really possessed. Yes, yes the previous well, president did watch. Speaking of the really president, uh, the White House is going to end the public health COVID emergency there you as go. of May. There's to your point Pfizer. about Pfizer, yeah, the COVID business. Well, I mean, I, look, I think that Pfizer, they took in, I mean, the amount of money they took in, David, Yes, I, but I, it's it's the, the market's valuing it nothing. It's sort of saying, yeah, that was a one time, right? Yeah, which but it's not clear it. that that's going to be the case. They, I mean, Paxlovid will sell for years and years to come, right? But I mean, the problem is you can't just like, say from Merck around the world, right? You can't just say, okay, well, listen, we're going to take that money, we're going to buy uh, Regeneron, right? And we're going to combine the two, and that's our game plan. You, you can't do that. You, when you give the guy like five minutes, give. 
Give Dr. Borla five minutes to figure out what to do. He bought the buy. He bought the migraine drug from Biohaven. I think that's going to be one of the biggest drugs ever. Um, I would not leave my. It's like the American Express card. I don't leave home without it. Oh, now Pfizer's up. Okay, there, there we go. go. Turned around a little bit. Hey, how about McDonald's? Um, Did we turn that one up. One name, one, one name we haven't talked about at all, Spotify, guys, uh, which is up almost 10 percent, nine and a half percent. Company did have monthly average user growth, 33 million net additions, right. uh, 20 percent above last year. They have 489 million. That was also 10 million above guidance. Right. Uh, and that seems to be uh, rewarded this morning in the early trading. Uh, total revenues up 18% year over year. They're still losing plenty of money. Well, that's right. But their gross margin did come in at 25.3%. Free cash flow was bad, but they, they put out a lead. Free cash flow was negative. You have no free cash flow. Well, that's called bad. Yeah, they're... they're well, but I mean, that's part of the... I was mine. was Part of the plan, right? I got a million things in my head. I understand it's part of the plan to spend a lot of money and gain as much share as they possibly can. You know the... You know the... But why is it being rewarded? You know the strategy. Well, they, we, we don't like that. Typically. Well, because at least they gain more users than people thought. Uh, they did true. say they see Q1 as the low point for right, margins. Uh, oh, five like million it. podcasts are not going to revamp the podcast business. No, I, I, I'm playing devil's advocate to your incredibly rosy analysis. I'm saying that the is market it incredibly be, rosy. Yeah, really? well, I'm saying the market is very forgiving to some companies that are losing money and well, not it, others. And by the way. Go back, take a look at Spotify. Let's do a three-year. I mean, it's not as though it's always well, been. It's come down a lot. Yeah. Uh, like a lot of companies, they, they uh, built up during the pandemic. They hired a lot of people. But you can see what that's done. That's not much of a return Well, I'm saying look at years. Pfizer, and Pfizer is down on amazing numbers because people feel that's one time only. And then look at Spotify. They believe they're coming back, and that they, they people are very trusting that the that the free cash flow numbers could be up for the year. They're trusting. I mean, there's just a lot of people making snap decisions, and they're wrong. NXP. Uh, yeah, you mentioned them and Caterpillar. I think um, Caterpillar. I mean, we're buying Caterpillar for the trust. I think it's just wrong. Down nine dollars. Um, guys, I wanted to come back to a name we've also talked about a lot, and we, when we look at the, the three-year performance, of course, shareholders may be disappointed. It's a name that uh, my buddy here knows oh so well. It's Salesforce. It's worth coming back to again um, because this fight is far from over. You know, uh, Salesforce on Friday obviously announcing three new directors, a board refreshed to a certain extent. Uh, is the way they're uh, phrasing it with uh, Arnold Donald and Sakamara and, of course, the activist investor Mason Morfitt from Value Act joining the board. But Elliott is still there with a larger position, by the way, than any of the other activists. Um, Starboard is still there. Um, and in speaking to people around this over the last day or so, it's clear that this is far from over. Uh, and while there may be constructive talks between Elliott and Mark Benioff yet to come, it does appear that, from Elliot's perspective at least, best I can uh, determine at this point, just because you refresh the board and announce some cost cuts doesn't mean that they're satisfied. Or, by the way, it doesn't mean that a lot of the longer-term, long-only shareholders are satisfied. Uh, and so it begs the question, which we don't have an answer to, as to whether or not there is going to be a real proxy fight here. By the way, Elliot hasn't waged a proxy fight since Arconic in 2017. Now, they but did nominate. How they turned to be really good. Yeah. The Arconic part. They, but they did nominate for the board at Cardinal. They did nominate for the board at okay. Twitter. I think that was after. Uh, they settled, obviously, in both of those. But my point is, it's been a while since they've gone to a fight. Will they hear? Unclear, Jim. Unclear. Right. But what is uh, 
I think clear is so far not enough, not nearly enough. Well, and it would appear that you know they may want more board members who have more of a technology, technology experience and expertise. They may want a very specific plan. And here I'm getting different takes in terms of how they see Benioff's future, perhaps, and how, for example, Starboard sees it. There are those, I think, who believe he can be a very constructive force here in terms of resetting, getting in a plan that says we will get to 30 or 35 percent operating margins. We will do what needs to be done. And then I will exit with a successor in mind. But Elliot may have a different plan. Unclear. But it's not as certain that they are as much behind Mr. Benioff, perhaps, as some other of these shareholders. All of which is simply to say, February 12th is when the nominating window opens. And this thing's far from over. Well, to be What's fair, your take? Yeah, I, I agree with you on everything. To be fair, remember, they made uh, Mark Benioff, the CEO, made those changes, put those three people on the board before Elliot got involved. So yeah, well, was, they had just gotten involved. Just about, so they had just gotten involved. I think that had he consulted with Elliot, there may have been other people or Certainly, Elliot probably would rather have people who are well-schooled in technology, and they don't feel that just because you're on the board of Microsoft that that's enough. Uh, the question for me, David, yeah. do they want Mark to stay? Right. And I, by the way, I don't know the answer to that. I don't either. I don't know the Isn't answer that to that. Isn't that telling that we don't know? No. Um, or is executive chairman or something? Yep. But, there are, but his imprint on the company is so large. His He's, influence in the boardroom is so strong that there are those who make the argument that, you know, you need this board to be focused on the performance of the company. It hasn't been good, in their opinion, uh, over a period of time. And, and the argument is he's so, such a large presence well, in so many ways that it's impossible. He's putting a huge amount of customers. They all say they love the product. Yes. I, look, the markets had, you know, given a very shrinking shrinking multiple, which is not unlike they've had for many companies in those enterprise software business. Do you think they can get to 35% operating margins, let's call it, with 15% revenue growth? Is that yes. a, is that a... I think it's doable. You do? Yes, I think that the, but I think that we're going to hear from Elliot that the, the way that they put together Tableau, uh, how much they pay, paid for Slack, it, it really caused some problems and that those have to be dealt with. But I don't know how without talking to Mark and sitting down, do you come up with them? Yeah. No, and it doesn't mean, by the way, I, I, my, my sense again, speaking to people, Elliot's not, you know, certainly not communicating uh, directly, but is that there have not been a lot of talks yet. It's no, still to come. Let's step back, David. I need you to uh, tell me whether this is the most number of activists you've ever yes, seen. Yes, I've never really seen four. If so you want to count up in here as an activist, which, of course, I think you need to, and then Value Act. Started off by Jeff Smith in the fall with us here on CNBC, of course, when he announced that position in Salesforce, uh, and then Elliot, and Elliot the largest uh, in terms of the dollar amount of their well, why are people not, ownership well, I position. I guess you say people are buying it from 140, but yeah. I mean, to me, when you have this many activists, it does say stay tuned or maybe buy the stock. Now, my yeah. chapel has been long, yeah. you know, it's, it, we, it's, I started liking Salesforce at $8. Uh, because I thought the product is great. And everybody says the product is great. I think that there's just a question of attention to detail, uh, uh, whether there's just too many people. Right. Um, but, you know, listen, uh, yeah, I add another potential activist fight still. Don't want people to believe somehow that that wrapped it up on Friday with that announcement. No, it did not. Great, great so, reporting. well, you know, we got Disney and Pelts. We got Salesforce yeah. and Elliot. Now, Caterpillar, just so you know, they're talking on the call. China well below 20, you know, still not coming back. 
Uh, they are saying that there's still chip availability problems. Now, uh, moderation of input cost inflation. Again, if you've studied CAT, there's not, they're not saying anything that's different, but the stock is up a great deal and it's in free fall now. And maybe that we're telling people in the travel trust, this is the opportunity you've been waiting for. This is the breaking Caterpillar stock. Uh, yeah, down some 4%, one of the worst uh, laggards on the S&P. Uh, speaking of chip availability, tomorrow do not miss our interview uh, with AMD's oh. Lisa Su. Uh, chip makers out with earnings after today's close of trade. A stock not trading too badly, uh, despite Samsung's results, uh, where the chip segment profit was down 90%. Uh, let's take a look at bonds as well in the wake of that employment cost number and the softening house uh, value number out of uh, Case Shiller. We'll get um, Chicago PMI in a couple of moments in conference board later on. Be right back. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. Rich Santelli here at CME HQ with breaking news. We still have more to go. Still have consumer confidence to go. This is Chicago PMI from MNI, and we're expecting a number around 45.0 for January. 44.3, a bit of a disappointment, but there is a revision from last month's 44.9 up to 45.1. 44.3 is the lightest since November when we were at 37.9, quite a distance from 44.3, and 37.9 was the lowest level since June of 2020. So even though we are sub-50 and we haven't been above 50 since August, it has uh, come in at a level that is not the worst level, but certainly does underscore the notion that when it comes to Chicago manufacturing, things are a bit under where they need to be to get back into expansion mode. Squawking on the Street will return after a short break. Nike is suing Lululemon in federal court, accusing the yoga wear maker of patent infringement when it comes to footwear. In its complaint, Nike claims it has suffered economic harm and irreparable injury from the sale of Lulu footwear, including Blissfeel and Strongfeel. Nike says three of the patents in focus involve textiles and other elements, including one addressing how the footwear will perform once pressure is applied. You don't really see these things often, Jim, go all the way. No. Uh... Wow. I mean, Nike, you know, they're like uh, 10 bears in the outlaw of Josie Wales. They come in peace. So to see them do this is rather amazing. I look at Lulu, which had a quarter that was just so-so, but it's Calvin McDonald. Um, you know, Calvin McDonald's on the board of Disney with Mark Parker, who's still the chairman. You know, can't they just get along? Hmm. We'll see. The other interesting thing about Nike is this, this thing they teased with Tiffany, uh, which they said they'd give more details on later, but you're talking about two companies that uh, arguably target the higher end of LBMH. the LVMH, yeah. I yeah. mean, look, Nike's coming back in China. Interesting, the Caterpillar said they're not coming back that much in China, but the difference between a shoe and a machine. But yeah. uh, Lululemon it has had a bad run here, and this does not help. Maybe there are some people who didn't know they had footwear, and they said, ooh, they have footwear, let me check it out. But otherwise, no, I mean... I'm support David. Yes, sir. These are companies. These are Nike, Lulu. They, they're like the new generation companies. They they're are. like the Ohana. Mm-hmm. Oh, Ohana's Mark Benioff. They're yes. being challenged, too. Yes, they are. Uh, but look, both stocks are up. You never can tell how a, um, a the real impact of a lawsuit on stock prices. No, no, but I'm it's just not. saying it's, it's Annis. Do you want an Annis Harbless for Lulu? I mean, so far, these are. Calvin McDonald's really good. Just I paying like lawyers. Them. I like Lulu, but you know you get you, you get emails every thirty seconds about something they're discounting. Got to get off that list. Lulu, 
We'll talk about that. I, I don't get any. Where we get well, no, discounts? You have to shop there first. Day. No, I, yes. but I, I have family members who do. I have two no, no, ladies in my family who like to shop there. Produce. He's thinking that Google's in his head, but they're everywhere else. Believe me, Project Bernanke and Project Pro. Project Pro, that's the new one that Justice came up with, found out about. Like Hercule Poirot, you know? Yeah, I, <laughs> I know bet you is. Google's happy that they got that memo was written. <laughs> they weren't. Project Pro. Uh, Holding steady here, S&P's up 11. Let's get to Bob Asani. Morning, Bob. Good morning, guys. Uh, the outlaw, Josie Wales. I love the uh, Clint Eastwood reference that Jim threw in there. You know, we've been positive all morning on the S&P, uh, and that's because that ECI number came in. All right, still too high, but a little better than expected. At least inflation's moving in the right direction. Take a look at the sectors. Kind of a mixed picture uh, at the open. So you want to look at the, the, the stuff that moves every day, ARK Innovation, Vanek, kind of Flattish, arcs up uh, positive now. Uh, consumer discretionary has done well. We had Pulte and GM. That really helped the consumer discretionary. You see energy down, but that's kind of oil, I think. Oil's 77, just top 78. It's been down three days in a row. So a little pressure on the uh, energy stocks. The earnings are kind of all over the place, uh, as you can see today. Some of the numbers are okay. Uh, GM's been great. UPS is doing great. Whirlpool was very interesting in their guidance. We'll get to that in a minute. And you see Cat and Exxon kind of weighing on things right now. The important thing, uh, I think, is the revenues. Now, you hear a lot about raising prices, uh, and that's true. Some are doing a lot better, but not all of them. So Cat, GM, Marathon, McDonald's, Pulte, their earnings were, uh, their revenues, excuse me, were above uh, expectations. These are revenues. Uh, and below expectations, though, UPS, Exxon, and Whirlpool. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Just look at the companies that report. We got about 30% of the S&P reporting, 65% reporting revenues above expectations. That's not far from the average. Uh, and the, but the beat is very small. They're not beating very much. And this is the same with earnings, too. They're not beating by very much. 0.6% on revenue beats. 2.5% is what we've been doing in, in the last year. So the numbers are up, but they're not beating impressively here. As for where we are on the earnings situation, everybody's hiding in the second half. Every single day, first quarter and second quarter earnings estimates keep coming down. You see 1.8 down, 2.3. Every day, these go lower. The fourth quarter, people are kind of holding on around 10% right now. So if you want to see a very good example of people hiding out in the second half of the year, did you see what Whirlpool did? Now, they had an earnings beat and a revenues miss. But look at this guidance, 16 to $18. Wow, the streets at $16, $16.19. So you're talking about 12% above uh, the guidance uh, overall. That's pretty darn good here. How are they going to do that? Well, they're, only, they're expecting lower costs, but they're expecting, more importantly, a demand recovery in the second half of the year. In other words, this is based on a lot of hopium in the second half of the year that suddenly demand is going to rematerialize. We'll see, but you get the point hiding out in the second half of the year. As for the end of the month, well, it's the January barometer, folks, and we're positive. Uh, we're going to be up about 5% so far. And Carl, you know that January barometer, as goes January, so goes the year. It is the tendency for the January S&P performance to mirror the full year performance. It's got a decent track record right now, up close to 5% for the month. Carl, back to you. All right, we'll cross our fingers, Bob. Thanks, Bob Pisani. Let's get to Jim and stop trading this morning. Two different buy reits, reiterate buys. On Disney, Goldman Sachs, revisiting key investor debates for Disney, they come out positive. And then Deutsche Bank, thinking about Disney, they say, listen, it's going to work because they don't expect any ma major strategy change. Why? Because it's Iger's strategy. It was just executed poorly. So these are both very positive notes uh, that actually say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> they don't report. They report later next week. February 8th. Yeah. 
But, you know, they're just basically saying, you know, look, Hulu could work and they're not going to spin off ESPN. But mostly there's someone really competent running the company. And that's going to be a very, po- be very positive. You know, it, the president is. Uh, I think their other point is that they don't expect him to retrench just to kids programming no. because Fox was his idea to begin with. Yeah. No, it's just I think. Look, I read these pieces. I don't be facetious. But I mean, I just think that they're saying that they're. Uh, they're dealing with he, that he will deal with the cost cut uh, with he'll deal with, with court cutting he'll deal with the different different issues deal with the theme park and of course that's what we expect now, they didn't bring him back to do nothing they did bring him back to right the ship not just the Disney cruise ships but the ship itself got it so tonight Pfizer Pfizer and GM yeah, the two GM's, totally unimportant companies. GM's up nine percent well shares. let's see yeah. let's find out what that's about David. And, and David, once again, the president, how's he on the facts when it comes to Exxon? It's a little, I'm not going there. I've said it once. We're done. But he's, you got the tape. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, I've got, got it. it. There's All no right. changing that, 10 bears. <laughs> See you tonight, Jim. Mad Money, 6 p.m. Don't Eastern time. Peace. When we come back, uh, we'll stay on top of today's earnings, winners and losers with the Dow up 18. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 